Okay, got Coach Rob back on the podcast again, back hey, in Australia. How you doing, buddy? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Cheers. After, yes, cheers. <laughs> yep, it's good to good to have a beer with you. It is. We I don't drink, drink them often, so... Exactly. This is a good treat. occasion. That's exactly right. No, it's good to have you. Thanks for coming out. Yeah, thank you. Tell us a little bit about where we are down here, what we've had going on the last day or two. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it was good to have you come down. I know it was uh, a long drive for you, but we appreciate it. You know, we, we're down here working with the Empire Kawasaki team. Uh, we uh, we were working with them late last year, and, and we have an agreement with them for 2020 and doing things a little bit different than most of the other teams are doing, which we really can't talk about now, but um, it'll manifest itself here in the next three to four months. People will see what they're doing differently and why they're becoming quite a powerhouse in the sport. But uh, yeah, we're down here at the, the owner Clint's house, and as you can see, it's a beautiful place to be. Uh, beautiful facility with its own track and, and gym and the whole nine yards. So what we're doing is uh, kind of doing some behind the scenes work on some sports psychology, working on some functional range of motion, doing some assessments, figuring out where we can do some work with them, doing some plyometric, uh, some strength to weight ratio using plyometrics, running some field tests, testing endurance, strength, lactate tolerance, getting some max heart rate numbers. So for those of the listeners that know the physiology background, that'll make a lot of sense to them. So essentially what we're doing for the owners and for Tyson, the team manager, is putting together some profiles of each one of the riders, setting some benchmarks at the end of January, and just kind of allow the owners to see how the riders are developing. Uh, Clint and Tyson are doing a great job with Kawasaki and the various suspension companies and, and with Pirelli tires and all of that. So what we want to do is, as Clint and Tyson are working on sponsorship and making sure the team's well-funded and has the necessary goods, we want to make sure that they've got two to three riders that are, you know, ready to put it together. Uh, it's a privilege to work with, you know, Jaden Rikers is on board on a 450. We've got uh, Deacon Hellier on the 250. Both great guys, uh, as you saw today. Both of them work really hard, yeah. both on and off the bike. So we're, as you know, our specialty is to take the physiology, try to tie it and wrap it around the physics of this moving motorcycle known as a gyroscope and help these guys start to see what we do off the bike and how it's so relevant to what we do on the bike. And it's, you know, for the listeners that may be listening to the podcast or maybe watching the video live, you know, the big thing is, is going to the gym and lifting in a traditional format is not conducive to what you do on a motorcycle. And you and I can sit and talk about that for hours. We won't bore the listeners, but as you saw today, and just like we've been doing for the last couple of years together is, you know, helping the athletes understand why they're doing what they're doing. That's probably the easiest way to, you know, wrap it up as to yeah as you know with us doing work together and you working with our athletes and your athletes as well getting them to understand the why behind it definitely i think that's what makes us unique as a company you know having you on board as an elite coach it's very hard for me to find coaches like you who have the background both on and off the bike who have the vision and the understanding that can now share that with the athletes and i think that's what makes it really unique and, you know, obviously I think you're doing a killer job and it's great to see your side of the business growing as well here, you know, here in the beautiful country of Australia. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. No, it's good stuff. I think that's such an important part of the puzzle is giving them the why. Yeah. Because they're, they're going to be much more inclined to take action on it when they, when they know why instead of just being told, do this. Absolutely. Well, and it's like what you and I talked about when we first met. One of the things that attracted me to your services is you're not the kind of person that says, do it because I said do it. I want all the listeners, no matter if they're working with you, whether they're working with somebody else, I need them to say, why am I doing this? Mm. Coach, trainer, whatever. As you and I tease off the record, you know, we don't consider ourselves coaches. We're human performance specialists. I'm not here to argue whether you stand up or sit down in a corner, have one or two fingers on a front brake. You've heard me tease about that previously. I really don't care. What your and I's responsibility is when someone walks in the gym, what do they dare to do? Is it in your and I's world, we are identifying weakness. We're going to give them the protocols on how to eliminate that weakness and then make sure that what they do in the gym is done correctly. Yeah, That's our only responsibility. The problem that we run into is a lot of the coaches, as you and I have talked about off the record, and I want to use that word coach very loosely, they want to make it about themselves. They're going to scream and holler and yell at you and tell you that you're a wuss and you're doing it wrong and all this. Well, wait a second. If you're the expert and I'm the client, 
why can't you explain to me why we're doing what we're doing in the gym? Yeah. When did you write these protocols? When do you identify that this is the workout we should do today? One of the things that you and I have talked about numerous times is every workout that we write a week in advance, by the way, is designed based around quantified data. We're building the protocols based on volume and intensity, percentage of aerobic and anaerobic, to do what? To move that rider further, faster. It doesn't always make us popular because we look at it a little bit more methodically. It's interesting how so many people, they just want to be yelled at. Yeah. And yet, I think we're starting to see more of an attrition rate where the athletes, the listeners to the, the your podcast, wait a second, wait a second. You're the expert and you can't tell me why I should do this. Or let's do a paradigm shift. Tell me why I shouldn't do it. If you look at the number of athletes that are out there coming from previous programs, and we're picking up all the ugly pieces. They've been ridden hard, put away wet, you know, told only the only gear is wide open every time you work out every day of the week, on and off the bike, yeah. nutritionally starved, calorically restricted, blah, 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 blah. And I don't say that disrespectfully, but everybody's been essentially destroyed in one way or the other. Mm. Wait a second. Can you ask that expert why you need to do X workout? If they can't show you how it applies to the bigger macro cycle, broken down into a meso cycle, you know, then what are we doing? Yeah. And I, that's what I love and that's what always attracted me to getting you to come on board with us as an elite coach is you're not just somebody that's going to say do it. If somebody wants to take five, ten minutes and get a better understanding as to why, you're patient enough to do that. How many coaches out there aren't willing to do it and why aren't they willing to do it? Because they really don't know the answers. Mm. You and I have teased about this as well. How many quote unquote experts out there say, well, because that's what my coach said and his coach said and her coach said and his coach said. Well, that still doesn't get to the root of why this workout is relevant to what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah. So then don't do it. Yeah. And that's, that's I think, the biggest difference there. But you're right. You know, it's, um, it's it, we as a company, you and I combined, we do things differently. We do things from a health and wellness standpoint and then performance. Health, wellness, then performance. Yeah. You're never going to be able to get performance up if your health is at a risk, if it's being self-sacrificed. Sure, you might be able to do it three Short months. Term. Six months. It's never going to be long term. Exactly. And <laughs> as you know, my mantra is, or rather the acronym is KISS. Keep it simple and sustainable. Yeah, exactly. Anybody hearing this for the first time probably went, keep it simple, stupid. That just shows you how there's always a negative connotation. Mm. Keep it simple and sustainable. So yes, I could make you 1% faster, but I morally won't do it if it's going to be at the expense of your health. That doesn't make you and I very popular. And yeah. You know, we know we'll acknowledge it to the listeners. We've been terminated because we won't tell them what they want to hear. But if you respect that we're trying to honor your health and wellness and you're willing to understand why we're doing it, then you'll trust it. Yeah. And then the long term benefits far outweigh the immediate yeah. short term gains, like you said. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool that the Cal Soccer team's investing yes. in that in that with their riders. It's awesome to see. It really is. And obviously Tyson has a great reputation in the industry. He's been in, you know, around it for forever. You know, Clint's only a couple of years into the team ownership of it. Not trying to sound textbook cliche-ish. What's nice about working with Clint is he runs it like a business. Um, as a human performance company, we are a business. We don't work in a world of emotions. We're not here trying to gain somebody's checkbook to edify what we're trying to do. What we always say is we want to partner with people who see our bigger vision, health, wellness, then performance. Clint and Tyson both want their riders to be healthy first. No signs of Epstein-Barr, chronic fatigue, chronic dehydration, caloric restriction. If you look at that chronic level of depletion, sleep, water, food, high-intensity training, that constant, that's exactly what Clint and Tyson do not want. Yeah. So to be with a group of guys like this... Um, over the last two years, those two, we've had a lot of closed door meetings and conversations where they wanted to essentially get the cliff note version. What's, what's behind a human performance program? What does a physiology program look like relevant to Moto Supercross? What does a nutritional program, what does a sports psychology program? We've written programs in all of those elements and we integrate them as one cohesive unit. Well, it's easy for the listener to hear another podcast Somebody wants to take and extrapolate something. Obviously, the big one right now in the area of nutrition is keto. Keto, keto, keto. When it comes to training, it's hit, 
high intensity interval training. Yeah. It's great to take that out of context, give a textbook explanation as to supposedly why it works. It's not that you and I are jaded and we're against it. What we're against is the, the negative ramifications mm -hmm. of those types of eating and exercise. When we get into metabolic waste, most people understand if I crack the throttle and I've got this abundance of exhaust coming out the back of my bike, that's no different than high intensity training when you're producing a ton of what we call oxidative stress. Yeah. Literally using aerobic, you know, the aerobic engine to produce energy. Well, aerobic energy creates oxidative stress. Oxidative stress is the production of free radicals. Free radicals deepening, having the wrinkles, hair falling out, skin is brittle. Those are the negative ramifications of high intensity training. But the textbooks will say, well, wait a second, if I do high intensity training, yeah. I'm going to stimulate testosterone and all. Yeah, You're exactly. exactly right in a book. Yeah. But here's what I want the listeners to think about. <laughs> I have no problem doing speed work when I have the foundation to do yeah. speed work. If I've got a body that's tired, not getting enough sleep, already overstressed personally or professionally, is already calorically restricted, and now I'm going to dump on top of them high intensity, high frequency, mm. high volume, that's irresponsible and immoral for me as a performance coach. That's what I like what we do is when the individual, the biofeedback we get, whether it's from Whoop or Garmin or whatever we're using, the idea here is how do you interpret the data? I don't wear your watch. You're wearing your watch. What you and I do is help them understand the interpretation of the data, take that data and then build a program. And I want the listeners to think about that. You and I take the data that comes off of their watch you and I have no influence on that. It's sitting on a dashboard. Yeah. But what I want the listeners to understand, what makes us unique is, if your body can handle 20 hours a week, we'll give it 20. Mm. If your body shows it can only take six, we'll give it six. We're not a cookie cutter, hey, every Tom, Dick, and Harry's gonna go on this program. Yeah. Whether it's nutrition, strength training, flexibility, and I think that's what the listeners need to understand, which makes you so unique is, you do ride, you do race, you do listen, you do study, you do research. Wow, what a better combination as a performance coach. And you know, I'm so proud to have you as an anchor here in Australia, and I'm proud that you cover such a broad area. The fact that you'll go trackside with guys, the fact that you'll go in the gym with them. I mean, I, you know, and I hope the listeners understand how valuable you are in it sitting right here in their backyard. I just, I hope they'll take advantage of it. Not as a sales pitch, but work with somebody who really cares and truly knows what they're doing. Yeah, there's not very many of them, and that's not to blow smoke up your skirt, but it's it's tough. You know, it's tough to find people who have both the background experience-wise, the knowledge, and know how to integrate the two. Because we've seen a lot of, and I hate to say this, but a lot of pros very fast on a bike, but can't explain why they're doing it. And that's yeah. your and I's platform is, do our listeners understand why? So, yeah. and that's, I think, what makes a big difference. Yeah. Oh, I appreciate that. Absolutely. No, it's truth. You know, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a new client start a couple of weeks ago and it was his first week. We were on the phone. He said, oh, it's pretty, it felt pretty easy, like compared to what I normally do. It's there pretty easy. I said, that's good. Yes. If, if you're telling me it's really hard now, then... We're in trouble. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and, and you and I talked about this off the record earlier. We're going to actually disassociate ourselves with a group of athletes because, the, the and I hate to say it, but the Moto Dads are mad at me because their athlete excuse me their athlete is not crushed mm. and again we got to go back to why would i crush your athlete that's ir that's irresponsible yeah i will push your athlete up against that glass ceiling only when we have the concrete numbers that validate that it's time to go there that could be 2 weeks it could be 2 months it could be 2 years i've had you mentioned it earlier today you've got a new client has spent x amount of years and he's been extremely stressed. So you're essentially trying to repair mm. what the previous coach essentially robbed of this athlete. Yeah. Overtraining him, high intensity, high volume. Now the adrenals are roached, all the external signs. Like you said, no. So to have an athlete say, this is too easy, that's exactly where you want to be. Yeah. You're not training to be Mr. or Mrs. Olympia. <laughs> you're not training. So remember that the functional strength is to be better on a dirt bike. Yeah. Whether it's off-road, moto, supercross, recreational, weekend warrior, riding the bush, whatever it is. Yeah. A match the behavior to the desirable outcome. If you want to be a weekend warrior, riding the bush, great. 
let your training emulate it. To take a pros program and then try to emulate that mm. for somebody who's a partner, has a job. Mm. Running a business. Absolutely. No way. Yeah. You and I would be irresponsible, and I'm going to keep using that word during the entire podcast. You need to find a responsible coach, trainer, human performance coach, as we refer to. If you don't have a responsible one, they will ruin your health. They will shorten your career. That's not us selling ourselves. Look at what's out there right now. Mm. A bunch of people that declare themselves as experts, ruining people's careers. And let's face it, if you're trying to make it as a pro, the career is already short enough to begin with. Yeah. Come on. That's not cool. Just so that because I'm an ex-pro, and there's some good ones out there on the writing coach side, but when I have an ex-pro, you've heard me tease about this numerous times, when I have an ex-pro that wants to become a psychologist, a nutritionalist, a physiologist, a massage therapist, if I read my 250F manual, should a factory team put me in? Of course not. So I take a weekend, you know, I take a weekend course to get a nice little certificate to put in a frame, does not make me an expert. You've got to have the background with the credentials, with the experience, and not that we're trying to sell ourselves to the listeners. I'm actually challenging the listeners, what are you doing and why? Mm. If they're confused, they know how to get in touch with you. Yeah. That's all we care about because I want to build a foundation of healthy riders at all levels and then watch the sport grow. If, that, if the attrition rate continues to undermine the growth of the sport, we yeah. all lose. 100%. That's yeah. crazy. I, I just cannot stand that. Yeah. So that's why I hope the listeners will change their perspective just one degree. What is it we're trying to do? Build healthy athletes. They bounce, not break. Yeah. They can enjoy riding their dirt bike longer and faster without losing their health to be faster and be able to ride longer. <laughs> That's right. I, yeah. and, and probably touched on it today, but how many guys out there have either quit because they they can't perform or are not getting the results they want or they crash, Yeah, like we spoke about today, underfed, underslept, underhydrated. Yep. Go out and axe yourself and then that's the end of your career. Absolutely. Yeah, especially when you recognize, if you look at, it doesn't matter, pro supercross here in, in Australia or back at the States, look at the ones who have gotten the reputation as being accident prone. We don't need to name any names, but the idea here is it's like, well, they have the talent, but they're always on the ground. My question is back up the train. Why is that athlete always on the ground? Chronic depletion at a blood cellular level, which mm. includes hydration, sleep, because in sleep we get hormones. Yeah. Hydration and food stabilize blood sugar levels. Well, when you miss time a jump or you miss time a corner and you hit the ground, I'm always going to ask, why'd you hit the ground? I get it. You could be perfectly hydrated, perfectly rested. All the all cylinders are, are on go and still wreck. We get that. My experience has been in 35 plus years, the accidents are a byproduct of coming to the track tired, yeah. underfed, underhydrated, underrested. Fatigued. Fatigued. Whatever that fatigue looks like. Mm. You could start the day fantastic. All T's are crossed and I's are dotted only to get busy at the track, forget to snack, your second race of the day, you have low blood sugar, misjudge a jump, and wad yourself up. Yeah. Like you said, now you're broken and now we're out six months. Yeah. All because we didn't snack during the day. And in, in, in defense of the listener, maybe they don't know what to eat. Maybe no one's told them why they should eat. If they have been told why to eat, what to eat and when. I hope the listeners start to see there's framework to it. It's not just say eat this, why eat this? And your and I's responsibility is help them understand how their body responds to what they eat. Yeah. Then when they go out and they ride and they have eight, nine laps where there's nothing more than maybe a second deviation, and our clients come back and they go, holy cow, what a difference. Well, here's the key. You now know what we did to give you nine, eight laps of less than one second deviation. Guess what? You now have a blueprint to do it over and over and over. It's not me. It's not you. It's just feedback that the body got by looking at what you ate, looking at lap times, watching video, and going, wow, I'm a new rider. That's awesome. Yeah. How did you create that new rider? Yeah. It goes back to the beginning of our podcast. If you can't explain the why, you'll never be able to explain the how. Yeah. You've heard me say this over and over again, working with a lot of different riders. That's great, you're a second lap faster. Can you tell me where you got a second? Because if you can't, when we go out for our next session, you probably won't be able to pick up where you left off. Yeah. That's accidental success. You've yeah. got to know what you've done to get that desirable outcome. And to the listener, sometimes they go, oh my gosh, he's highly technical. I'm not technical. You're, all the, you're already bringing frustrations. We're just trying to reverse engineer your frustration. 
Why do I get tired at the end of the race? Let's look at food. Why am I starting the race yawning on the starting line? Let's look at how you spent the last 12 hours of your life. Yeah. Well, I know I've heard you mention it before, you know, other podcasts, but yeah, nearly every rider out there or every rider out there, they could tell you how much engine, how much oil goes in their engine, yeah. whether their fuel's premium, whether that engine oil is fully synthetic, what clickers they're running. Why should it not be the same for our, what we put in our, in our body? Like, Absolutely. We yeah. just, we just throw caution to the wind and yep. eat whatever or little of nothing and expect our body to perform. Here's the thing that I find interesting. Take that thread of thought just a little bit further. You can replace a top end if you boff it up. Yeah. You can't replace <laughs> your cardiovascular system, your adrenal system, your circulatory yeah. system. We've got one system, excuse me, we get one go around at all of our systems. Yeah. And that's the part that scares me. It's a long road home. It's a long road home. And, you know, you look at the sport, for those that are listeners that are historians of the sport, how many athletes have we seen where they get a two-year deal and they work so hard and they overextended themselves so often that now at the end of the year, they have to literally rescind on their contract because their doctor is saying, look, you've got Epstein-Barr. It's in your blood. The only prescription for Epstein-Barr, chronic fatigue, they're not the same, but for the simplicity of the podcast, let's say they're in the same family. Well, what's a doctor going to tell you? This is what guts me. Mm. The doctor's going to tell you, you got to sleep and you got to eat. Everything that we've been talking about for years is what I'm trying to do is hedge it off from letting it manifest itself. But once you get labeled with it, then everybody takes, takes it serious. If anyone's listening to the podcast, take a piece of paper and from left to right, I want you to write cells equal tissue, tissue equals organs, and organs equals systems. That's just the, it's just the natural progress. Isn't it ironic that we wait until we get a disease diagnosis on the system to recognize that something is wrong, but all of us can go to the doctor and simply get a blood panel. We can get them as often as you need and want, yeah. especially you let the doctor know what you're doing for your own health. Heaven forbid we take a proactive approach to our health. <laughs> How many panels do you have to get back to see that you're deficient in B6, B12, and iron to realize when we're looking at nutrition, and there's a deficiency. There's only three reasons why you'd be deficient. You're not eating enough, so you're not absorbing it. You're not absorbing the food that you're eating because maybe you've got some gut issues or some intestinal issues from an absorption standpoint, or you're simply burning it faster than you can consume it. Well, if you look at those three, one or all of those are contributing to the blood results you've got back. Yeah. But yet we make no adjustments. We continue to train the same way, eat the same way, good or bad, doesn't matter. You've already gotten the results. Now go down that continuum. Cells become chronically deficient. They become diseased. Well, that diseased cell now taints the tissue. The tissue taints the organ. The organ now trashes the system. Yeah. But we wait until we get blood work that says you have Epstein-Barr. Mm. I'm using that one over and over again because it's the plague of our sport. Yeah. We train too hard, too long, too often, mainly because we're fearful. Well, if I don't train, I'm going to go slow change your paradigm. Mm. Why are you working out today? How does this workout contribute to making me healthier and faster? Yeah. Because faster is very nebulous. You have 65 nipper speed fast yeah. and you have Jaden Riker's 450 fast. Yeah. Fast is fast, right? Yeah. So what we want the listeners the to understand... perception thing, isn't it? Pardon me? It's that whole perception thing. Yeah. Perception <laughs> is reality. Yeah. And so... For us, when we ask for our clients to get it done every quarter, every three months, what we want people to understand is we're not wanting the doctors to prick your arm for the fun of getting pricked by a needle. What is the information we're extrapolating? Most importantly, what are you doing with the information you get? Chronic depletion will lead to disease. I hate to say it that way. It's very harsh, but it, you just mentioned it earlier. You've acquired a client who's completely baked. Mm. So... You've got an adrenal system that's completely baked. You can sit with the client and they'll go, yep, you're right. I trained too hard, too long, too often, but I paid all this money to somebody because they were an expert. And now, unfortunately, you're picked up a client who's completely deteriorated and that expert goes on and does the same war path to somebody else. For those that follow me on social media, you know I'm a very big advocate for coach accountability. If if I ever had one client that reported some level of dysfunction, I'd be gutted. Mm. 
that's completely irresponsible on my behalf. But on the flip side, I've also been fired because I won't push that athlete to that next level. It's never because I think they're not capable. The biofeedback indicators, resting heart rate, body weight in the morning, body weight in the evening, hours of sleep, quality of sleep out of those hours. If you don't have somebody that can interpret that information, then you're working with the wrong coach. Because anybody can write scripts for do 10 by one, excuse me, do 10 by 500 on the rower at a low level of 10 with one minute rest, go. Again, it goes back to the beginning of the podcast. A, why are you doing it? B, are you coming to the workout with a foundation to get the most out of that workout? Are you in a position to absorb the load and the stress on the system from that workout? Because if not, the dominoes go the wrong way. Yeah. You do that workout on Tuesday, you've overextended yourself, then you do the same thing on Wednesday in another modality. Then you, by the time we're, let's say Sunday, where are you going to be at? Mm. Buried, in buried, buried. Yeah. <laughs> and now you're three months into it, three years into it, and you're a pro and you're in your prime. And the so-called expert who's cashing your checks is like, you got to do more. You're losing because you're not doing more. Wait a second. Based on what grounds? You see the difference there? When I see athletes that perform better in training than they do in racing, that's because you're leaving your best results in training. That's very hard to earn the trust of an individual who says, as you said earlier, it's too easy. Well, that's why it's called training. It's consistency in training creates adaptation and improvement. Yeah. Burying you in training just makes it all about the coach. I hate to use that word because that word's so adulterated. But <laughs> it's all about the so-called expert. Yeah. I'm going to make these workouts so difficult you're miserable. And somehow that makes me a better coach. Yeah. No. That makes you an irresponsible, egocentric maniac. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I don't... The listeners, <laughs> thank you for, for tuning in. Nobody wants to hear me talk. They want solutions to their frustrations. How come I can go and train for a marathon? How can I train for a four-day enduro... Uh, excuse me, a four-hour enduro... And gain body fat. Well, dude, you're, you're stressing the system. Cortisol yeah. levels are going up. How many of our listeners don't know what any of that means? Mm. And yet they've been going to so-called experts now. Man, please, that guts me. You're gaining weight because cortisol is a byproduct of excessive stress. Yeah. Well, we all deal with four quadrants in life. Personal, professional, financial, and athletic. Every minute of every day is in one of those four quadrants. Yeah. Well, those sum totals of those four blocks cannot equate to more than 100%. You can't handle more than 100% stress. The million dollar question is what's stressing the system? Mm. In your and I's realm, the only thing that we can influence for our listeners is how long you're gonna train, at what intensity, and how many days a week. We would be complete idiots if we gave somebody more than they can handle without factoring in personal, professional, and financial. Yeah. Then it becomes about us. Yeah. We deserve to be fired. And that's where I think the coach accountability needs to come in. If you're going to challenge me as to why I'm not pushing you, you've got to be willing to listen to why I'm not pushing you. Not fire me because you essentially wanted to pay me to tell you what you wanted to hear. You've heard me talk about that off the record with some pros that we worked with. Yeah. I don't care what your last name is. I love moto. I love everything on a motorcycle. It's our smallest sport. The net income of our athletes... In the other sports, mm. is up to 30 to 40 times more than what the top guys are making in moto. Yeah. Even in the States. Yeah. I don't care what your bank account is. I have a responsibility because you're a partner, you're a dad, you're a business owner. Oh, by the way, you like to go fast on moto. You like to go fast in the bush. Awesome. Let's get the other sides in balance, and then let's see if you can go six hours or eight hours or 16 hours. I don't know. The listeners, it's all individual. Some of our listeners can only go 30 minutes a day. Is that, is that because you're soft? No. Your cup cannot surpass 100% of stress. That's correct. Yeah. That's it. You know, taking it out of the context of riding moto, we had an individual who came to us that wanted to try to do Ironmans. 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, marathon run. He's running a corporate five, you know, Fortune 500 company. He literally has 30 minutes a day to train. Yeah. I couldn't say, yep, I can do this for you. We'll get you to cross the finish line. That would be a lie. Yeah. I would be literally stealing him of his money. Yeah. But what I did do is say, hey, let's just get good at 5Ks. Mm. You can do that 30 minutes a day. You can do that if you're consistent. You know, that's a little over three and a half hours a week, one day of rest. 
and now the guy's running sub 17 minute 5Ks. He's yeah. ecstatic. He didn't look at it as, oh, Rob doesn't think I can do Ironman. He respected the idea that I helped him understand that he can't do Ironman. Yeah. But he can do other things. Yeah. Big achievements, big milestones. He grew up in the financial world. He didn't grow up as an athlete. Yeah. Always wanted to be a bucket list runner. Now he's a sub 17 minute 5 care. He's yeah. very, very happy. It's not about me trying to show him that I'm right. It's just to bring closure to that comment. I'm not going to take your check and say, yes, you can do Ironman on 30 minutes a week. Yeah. Or, excuse me, 30 minutes a day. No. That's why I hope the listeners understand when you do a new client profile with you and I, we're not saying that you're not capable. We're just trying to put it in perspective. Yeah. And when that time comes, heck yeah, we'll be ready to go. But let's get you there first. Yeah. You know? I think it's such an important thing that people don't factor in is that those other stresses. Right. They don't understand how, like when you are running a business, family, yeah. finance, like everything in our life is stress. Yep. And that's so. where I think people, especially guys, we tend to be very egocentric. I can handle all stress. Yeah. Well, we're, all right, give me a piece of paper and tell me what stresses you're dealing with. Yeah. And it's going to fall in one of those four quadrants. But if you're a, an accountant and we know you're going into tax season, we know you're going to put in long hours. It's a lot of stress. Not a good time to decide to do a race. No, that's You right. know? <laughs> yeah. And, but it's, it's just changing that, par- that paradigm and that perspective just enough to get people to go, hmm, yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll change my race schedule for the year. Yeah. Or maybe I just won't ride during those three months because I know I'm going to be tired. I'm going to be a little bit off my mark. The risk of injury is going to go up. You're not coddling yourself. You're not saying you're not capable. You mm. have the insight to go, hmm, not a good move. Yeah. And I like what you said, stress. Describe stress. Some of us have ailing parents. Some of us have disabled children. Some of us are going through financial. Some of us are going through divorce. Some of us are... We all have stuff. Mm. We don't... And I want the listeners to understand who don't know me from Adam. I don't live in a glass house idealistic world. I live in the real world. And I want the listeners to do the same thing. Grant yourself a little bit of mercy and grace. You keep wanting to hold yourself to this superior whatever you want to call it, I get it. We all want to be the very best. We all hate to lose. But what is the definition of losing? You know, I, I say this a lot, especially in the endurance world, uh, particularly mountain bikes, where a lot of times the mountain bikes are more valuable than their cars because that's their priority. That's their currency. I love that. Yeah. I would be doing you a disservice if I'm asking you to leave your partner and your children and kind of, hey, kind of guilting you into... Why didn't you get that three-hour mountain bike ride in? Yeah. But yet now you're super fast and you're super lean and strength-to-weight ratios are good and VO2 max. But you're now your partner's left and you don't know your kids. Yeah. That's I'm being irresponsible. Am I trying to be a life coach? No, I'm just trying to change your perspective. Yeah. When we get three hours in a day and it doesn't include the sacrifice of the other things that are important to you, then we're good to go. Yeah. You know, we have a lot of triathlon widows, is what we always say. People get into a relationship. Have, have no background in triathlon and triathlon is a very very selfish sport sometimes training two times a day whatever yeah. now all of a sudden somebody's like I didn't sign up for this lifestyle <laughs> I wake up in the morning you're gone and I want to go to the movies and you're already in bed because you have a workout tomorrow morning <laughs> it doesn't do it doesn't bode very well for building a relationship Yeah, that's the four quadrants personal professional financial and athletic so like you said stress is stress is stress mm. everybody has different stress but yeah it's, no matter who it is, it never sums up to be more than 100%. Yeah. Sure. That's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. But it is reality. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, so tell us what else you've got on while you're over here. Yep. We don't want to go all night tonight. No, it's great. I always enjoy um, talking to you. I need, we t- need to get over more consistently. So, um, <laughs> Tell us a bit about what you've been doing up in Darwin and, yeah. and what's happening for the weekend. Well, the, the first week we got here, thanks to Nathan Evans um, up in the Darwin area, he got the Darwin Motocross Club up there. Uh, got about 20 guys together pretty quickly. Uh, for those that follow us, we were supposed to come over to Australia for three months. Uh, unfortunately, your fires have really devastated your country, and my thoughts are with everybody. Um, so, obviously, people are more concerned about losing their house and everything they own versus a motocross camp. <laughs> so, we've kind of postponed that. We'll probably work uh, just for the listeners. We're currently adjusting that. You can go to completeracingsolutions.com. You can go to our performance camp drop-down. We're looking at doing those in probably June, July, and August is the tentative window. But the reason why we're here in January is Nathan Evans and the whole Darwin group brought us in. And we were fortunate enough with Duncan and, and all of the guys, great group of coaches up there. 
we went ahead and did a three-day motocross camp, off-road camp. We did them together. Uh, so we did that for three days. Uh, some people in town got wind that we were there. So the Darwin Triathlon Club hit us up, and it's a, a, they've got a membership of a little over 450 members. So we did a, uh, a seminar on dealing with heat and humidity. It's in our world, we call it thermal regulation. Yeah. So we got a chance to talk to them. We got a chance to talk to some wellness instructors about you know, this idea of balancing stress and, and nutrition and increasing range of motion and functional movement. Then we, had the, we were there for two weeks, and then we jet-setted down here to be with you guys here in Melbourne. Um, we're here working with Empire Kawasaki for the first, uh, excuse me, the last two days of this week. Um, we're going to go to the BMX World Cup up in Shepparton over the weekend. Uh, we had the privilege of working with uh, Nathan Glab and Ben uh, on the BMX side of things. We're going to go to the World Cup over Saturday and Sunday. We're back with the Empire Cowie guys on Monday and Tuesday. Then we're going to jet set up to Gold Coast and uh, do the podcast with uh, Jace with Gypsy Tales. Uh, we're very fortunate um, he's able to work us into his schedule. Then we're going to jet set back to Melbourne, spend the night. We have a closed door meeting down here. Then we're going to jet set back up to Darwin and we're going to do another three day of a triathlon a performance camp actually do those three and we get done at uh, 7 p.m catch a midnight flight back to sydney uh, we have a closed door meeting we have three of those on monday in sydney and then when those meetings are done we'll go to bed get up be at the airport at eight and head back to the states so um by the time we leave here we will have crisscrossed australia eight times yeah um and so obviously michael is a trooper with the schedule um, it's it's a lot of late nights for those that follow us on social media. You saw we got to take in the Australian Open. Neither one of us played tennis. I have the utmost respect for athletics, and uh, when you're this close to the Australian Open, you got to go check it out. So it was cool to see that, and uh, thanks for the kind comments on social media. Um, you know, social media is kind of like I call them Facebook, fake book. Um, tend to put all the glorious stuff up there. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yes. exactly. The highlights real. Yep, and uh, so I don't want people thinking all we do is sit around and go to golf or excuse me go to go to tennis shows and uh, wine and exactly <laughs> um for those that follow us on social media we'll be here a total of five weeks and uh we looked it up last night we'll be essentially we will have three dinners by ourselves uh over those three weeks yeah um we we that we had the australian open we've had that one day to ourselves uh we had one day where we went into your uh litchfield national forest we took in some of the the different ponds and stuff up there uh, got to get scared by some crocodiles and some <laughs> pretty scary signs that says if you eat if you swim you will be eaten kind of a thing but uh, yeah thanks to all the, the people who follow us it's it's a busy five weeks and like I said I don't want to come across like our life is all this glorious stuff but uh, people hit us up and say what are you guys doing what are you eating where are you at and that's what I use social media for I hope it never comes across as egocentric because that's not my goal I just hey where are you guys at what are you doing and You've seen some of the DMs that have come out of it and some of the people we got to meet and get a chance to train with. That's been very powerful and cool. So Yeah, absolutely. I do enjoy the DMs. So anybody that does do that, I try my best to get back to you. Um, it's not that I'm ignoring you, but there's a lot of ways that people can ask questions and, yeah. and try to hook up. Um, I mean, like we had a, a professional boxer that's doing uh, a um, charity event for breast cancer. So he wants to do some consultations. And the reason why I bring that up in this context, if you see that we're in your area, DM me. Maybe we can get together for dinner. We've done that numerous times. Yeah. Um, we've been out to dinner. We were out to dinner the other night, and somebody recognized me, and they were very polite. Hey, I, don't, I know you're at dinner, but I have a quick question. You know, <laughs> We have no problem with that. Yeah. You know, Please don't pull up a seat and, and spend the rest of your dinner with us. But <laughs> I know I mean that very lightly. It's just a lot of people don't realize, like when we were at dinner the other night, we had just had a 17-hour day. Yeah. Because because of the time change, I get up at three in the morning to do my phone call, evening phone calls, afternoon phone calls. So I was up at three in the morning, did that till seven. Workshop started at eight. Workshop went to six. Yeah. Then Mikhail and I were close to the the night cliff, so we went over and had dinner. And then somebody recognized me and want that's cool. You know, I have no problem, but it was nice. He's like, I I don't want to take any time. I just have one question. I need clarification on. <laughs> Please do that. You know, we're we're happy to do that. Or if you want to get together. Um, I know this sounds crazy. If we're in your area, we'll do dinner. But respect that if I say I already have obligations, it's not me being a snob. I just have other obligations. If we don't, I, I love meeting the people. Mikhail and I were, he, you'll appreciate this, Mikhail and I literally had met up with some friends of ours. We were in this small little town in Georgia. 
and I came out of the restroom and this young man had recognized me and he rides moto and he, he follows your podcast and he said he heard us on that and had mentioned some others and stuff. And what was really cool is he wanted a selfie and he wanted an autograph. That's all cool. I just like the, here's my point. He wanted pictures and autographs and all that, which was nice. But what was the most rewarding thing was he said, I was frustrated in dealing with these issues and you helped me fix that. Yeah. So for anybody who's a listener, when you and I can fix and eliminate a frustration, we know we're doing a good job. It's not about getting a check. And and come on, we're all in this to make a living. I've got three small little kids. You know, uh, we've got colleges and weddings and stuff. Yes, we're in it to make money. Um, But because you're not paying us a check doesn't mean I don't want to hear from you. Yeah. When you want to get on a performance program or you want a weight loss program, hey, I hope you'll think of us. That's all I ask. But in the meantime, let's eliminate these frustrations and get people where they want to be. Yeah, out sure. of an injury, out of chronic fatigue, frustrated why they can't improve on and off the bike or whatever it may be. Um, that's why you and I are here. That's our mission. So, that's right, yeah. And that's the power of social media too, isn't it, I guess, yeah. that we have these days. like Exactly. That's one of the reasons I post so much of my stuff is just to, like, I, that is... Like you say, that's our purpose. So Absolutely. That's if you can help someone for free, do it simply from a post. Like that's a pretty awesome thing. Absolutely, I'm proud. I'm proud of you. And for anybody that sees the post that I put on yours, we don't we don't talk about it behind the scenes. You post your stuff. I'm seventy five hundred miles away, but I put on there hashtag truth. That I mean it. I'm proud of you that you're putting it out there. What I want the listeners to understand is you're taking time out of your day to put something in a video format. That if it affects one person, it's well worth it. Yeah, 100%. But respect the fact that you're sacrificing your time. And that's where social media could either have a positive or a negative influence. Mm. You know, when I look at, you and I talked about this earlier today, when you look at uh, physical activity, it's either going to create an adaptation of improvement or an adaptation of fatigue and breakdown. Yeah. If you look at social media, it can have a positive influence or a negative influence. I can have people out there that say, I'm a dickhead and I'm this and I'm all that. That's fine. You've got, you're, you're, so powerful behind a keyboard. I get that. You know what I mean? I can sleep at night knowing that anything I put out there is only trying to make life better for people. It's yeah. eliminating a frustration. I hope people know my intent well enough that if you ever feel like I'm keeping information from you, I want you to DM me, text me, call me, send me a nasty email. I'm not the kind of person that's going to be like, well, for just nineteen ninety nine. The answer is right through this this special this special my, door. My That's right. Yes, we have digital products. Yes, we own a supplement business. Yes, we have performance programs. We could go on and on. But at the end of the day, when it comes time that you need some direction and you want some clarity and you want, great. We just hope you'll think of us. Yeah. We're continuing to grow our network of Moto E coaches. You are our anchor in Australia. Bo Franklin's done a great job. I mean, we've got a good group of coaches. The idea here is Moto E is going to build a network of coaches so you become more accessible to more and more people. For the listeners that are getting a degree in sports science, nutrition, psychology, hit us up. We're looking for those types of experts all the time, but it's got to be regional. We're building a network of, of coaches. We're building an international development program so any of the listeners can come over, cut their teeth on the national scene. You think your son or daughter is good enough to make it to Loretta's? We've got 12 facilities, soon to be 13. We've got numerous facilities you can come to. Someone like yourself is at every one of those. Come on over. Hit us up. We've Right now, we've got seven people that are going to be coming from Australia at the amateur level. Yeah, that's awesome. Grow the sport. Yeah, for sure. You know, that's all we're trying to do. And that's what I want the listeners to understand. Whether you ride in the bush, ride moto, super, cross, whatever you want to do, you know, how can we help you? Yeah. Not lip service. Test us. Yeah, I may be a little slow getting back to you, but I'm telling you, I'm working on it. <laughs> working on it because there's so many emails, and yeah. I don't say that arrogantly, but I don't want people thinking we're being remiss on getting back to people. Yeah, I want the listener to understand. You're calling me or emailing me or text messaging or DMing. Hey, I've got a spiral fracture in tib fib. I can't delegate that to a staff member. Mm. I want people to understand that. I have one guy that just completely just browbeat me. You know, I emailed you six weeks ago and you haven't responded. And I honestly hadn't seen it yet. My point back to him was, do you want me just to hire some virtual assistant that has nothing to do with nutrition or psychology? I'm happy to help, but there's other people ahead of you. Um, It's like with our case studies that we do on my Coach Rob podcast. 
we had one guy, he was like irate with me. I sent my stuff in and you didn't choose me. I didn't not choose you. There's just a couple thousand people in front of you. Yeah. Please be patient, you know? Yeah. That's where I think people think in social media like the world revolves around them. Yeah. If I send you a text, what I'm telling you is what I have to do and say is more important than what you're doing. Yeah. Please stop what you're doing and acknowledge my text. That's where social media needs to cool down a little bit. Yeah. Don't mind helping, but yeah. what you have to say doesn't always necessitate the person you sent it to saying no more. <laughs> you know, sure, yeah. yeah, it's kind of crazy how that works. Well, it is crazy. Like you think think about. I only got my first phone when I was twenty one, mm-hmm. so nearly twenty years ago. There you go. I was gonna say seven, <laughs> but, but okay. <laughs> but you get my drift. Like it's really only been like the last ten years that smartphones. Sure. It's all gone crazy. Like we don't really know what's yeah what we're dealing with really. Absolutely. Like, yeah. <laughs> yep. And that's the thing that I want people to understand is just because you're dropping a DM, think about, I don't always see them. I only check my, my text message, excuse me, my social media. I have very specific times during the day where it's on my calendar to do it. Sometimes it may be two days in between. Yeah. Um, so that's a problem with social media. Is, and then if I, I had a situation, I took my two young boys out to go ride. We didn't go out in our Moto E truck. I wasn't wearing anything relevant with Moto E. My boys were on a, a TTR 110 and a TTR 50 with training wheels. I've got my 250F. And this guy came over and said, hey, I, do you mind taking a look at my son? And I said, no, sir. Uh, I'm here to write. And he just tore me up. Called me every name in the book. Yeah. Went on social media, tried to slam me as I'm an arrogant, pretentious, only want to work with elite athletes. And I said, what? <laughs> I mean, literally, I can't go to the track and ride with my boys but it's it's like social media in the present. I'm at the track and someone believes that because I'm there, that their son is the priority. I didn't advertise I was there to do one-on-ones, trackside consulting. You didn't pay me to come out. My point is, it's not like I went out there and then like bait and switched you. But I'm the bad guy? <laughs> Walk that through. I'm the bad guy because I'm at the track with my sons, showing no signs of Moto E, and got completely blackballed by this guy. It's like the kid that's behind the text, you know, the keyboard, who's you know just a total badass, and really amounts to nothing in real person. But yeah. boy, behind that keyboard, he's tough. Yeah. So, you know, I say this in one hundred percent transparency. I've I've sold the bikes. We don't ride anymore, because I I don't need my kids getting blasphemed by some guy thinking that I'm some jerk. I just would rather not go there. Mm. So we go dirt jumping on our mountain bikes instead, and we wear nothing with Moto E. And ironically. I've been identified by some people and they were nice. They're like, hey, just it's great to see out riding. You know what I mean? So that's why we do more dirt jumping and that's why we do more, you know, bicycle related type stuff. Yeah. And awesome. I don't want that to come across as arrogant. I, it just is an illustration of if I send a text, if I don't get an re- immediate response, then you're a jerk. And now people will walk up to you and if you're not going to just stop what you're doing, I'm like, stop. When you're at dinner with your wife or your partner, yeah. who am I to come up and say, Pardon me, can I ask you a question about your IT company? Can you see we're not at dinner? You know, so that's where I think social media has kind of gotten a little bit out of control because now it's permeating personal behavior in person. Yeah. So yeah, it's just something to think about. It is. Yeah, it's another one. Like we think of that stress thing. Like yes. It's that that thing right there. That's one of the biggest stresses yeah. in a lot of people's lives. Absolutely. <laughs> no, it's so true. Uh, just real quick before we shut down, think about when you go to a store that sells numerous televisions. You notice when you go in there, let's say there's 100 televisions up on the wall, you'll notice that they're all in the same channel. Now imagine walking in there and 100 TVs is 100 different channels playing. You would just feel the anxiety as your brain's trying to process 100 different messages coming in literally at the speed of light. There's all kinds of studies that are starting to come out in the world of physiology that they're starting to see premature aging and signs of dementia in the brain because these kids are on their iPads, on their iPhones, Mm -hmm. Snapchatting, watching a movie, talking to somebody. And what they're saying is the amount of information that's coming in, if you look at a Snapchat, I think it's what, five seconds, 10 seconds? Yeah. It immediately goes to, or a story. You get what, five seconds and it goes. So literally in five seconds, that's the attention span we're teaching our kids. And we wonder why we get on a starting gate and a child can't focus long enough for the board to go sideways. (laughs) 
they, yeah. they're on a five second tension span. Yeah, yeah. And it gets even quicker and quicker and quicker. Excuse me, quicker. And the the part that's becoming a little bit scary is they're literally producing shows now that they will measure how quickly the frame changes per second just because that's what the kids are acclimated to. Yeah. And it, it it's literally ruining these kids' brains. Yeah. Not to mention that we joke that they have the attention span of a flea. Yeah. We can't maintain their attention because, as you said, this little phone. Mm. There's 172 messages coming in every second. Look how fast people flip through their Instagram. Mm. Check, push, check, push, check, push, check, push. Slide, 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 check, push, check, push. Close, 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 open, push, push, check, check. I mean... Stop. Yeah. Stop. Stress. <laughs> we wonder why we're like, we're on nervous, we're like pins and needles. Yeah. Information overload. Well, it's like you say, having some boundaries. It's Please. Like, I know I have, I have to have boundaries with like turning it off this time of night. Yeah. Because it just, you, otherwise it just spirals on forever. Yeah. It? There's no end to it. Yeah. Well, think about it this way. When we're looking at, like you just said, you have to turn it off. I want the listeners, and we can close with this idea. The idea for the listener is your behaviors and actions have to emulate what your desirable outcome is. Mm. I don't care if it's losing weight. I don't care if it's dropping a negative habit. I don't care if it's being better or kinder to other people. You can tell somebody over and over again you're not going to be cruel, but until your behavior matches that, how can you expect that person to trust that? Yeah. How do you expect your body to shut down and go to sleep and get into deep quality sleep when the message before you went to bed was information, information, stimulant, stimulant, like you said, yeah. match the behavior to the desirable outcome. Yeah. Don't take that out of context. Take it verbatim. It really will change your life. Yeah, 100%. And obviously that's our goal with you and I is to change people's lives in a positive manner. Like you said, use social media for the better, not just the degradation of mankind. Yeah. That's not a soapbox. It's just, it's unfortunately, that's what most of social media is becoming. Yeah. And we want to turn that around. So, yeah. thank you for all the listeners being on board. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. And to any of the listeners, we'll try and keep these up again this year. That'd be podcasts, awesome. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. So, if there's any questions out there from the listeners, they can shoot them through. Yep, please do. And in all fairness and transparency, Ben's been great. I've been uh, not available. And uh, Ben's been very persistent. And I, I'll take responsibility. And I'll, I'll promise <laughs> the listeners we'll be more consistent. So, thanks for listening. Thank you very much. Take care. We better finish our beers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>